everyone. Welcome back to the WYL Take Ownership podcast, where we're all about taking ownership of your mental, your economics, and your community. We're joined today by a good friend of mine, and I have full disclosure, an investor in WYL, um, and, and just an all, all in all great person, Sonia Rockville, principal and founder of Bedrock, Bedrock Real Estate Investors. And so I want to thank you for joining us today. How do you feel? I'm doing well. Thank you, Ofo, for having me on. This of course, great. of course. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm glad you're joining us because we're, we're obviously talking in the midst of a lot of things going on. I think the proverbial phrase of the summer has been uh, with everything going on, right? Yeah. Um, and so so for, for us, you know, one of the things we really wanted to harp in on with, with the Take Ownership podcast was we wanted to be, provide folks with tangible things they can take in this moment of time to, to better their lives and then to actually like execute within their lives as well. Um, I think a big part of that too, our whole business is based on real estate and community. Um, and for so long, the folks that have, you know, constructed our cities and, and invested in our cities and, and created them to be what they are today. And, and I mean, neighborhoods and everything um, don't often look like us. And so that, that has ramifications and impacts on our community, that being the black community, um, many different ways. And so some of the stuff we touch on today will be geared more towards that so i want folks to know you know if you have a if you're interested in real estate and you want to learn get your notepad out and get ready um at the same time too you know if you just really want to understand the the dynamic of how the space works how it is to start your own real estate company as an amazing black woman to get your notepad out and get ready as well um, but those are some of the things we want to touch on today and i also want to learn how covid's affected your business or the industry and all the things above uh, but how does that sound to you sounds great sounds great thanks for that <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh, so I gotta first start by asking you know how did you get into real estate because I know you had a finance background yeah. you already had a career in that space you know what encouraged you to take that that leap of faith into this space which was a new one for you um, but one that you've done obviously pretty pretty very well in <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that um, you know it, it's a really great question I, I started out my career first actually in accounting and in audit so I was doing financial statement audits and and then I um, became licensed and I became CPA and I realized I, I didn't want to be a partner at the firm I, I just didn't want to do that so I I shifted and went into financial services and I spent the majority of my career there and while I was there you know living in New York I've always been fascinated by real estate. I, I started just consuming a lot of like real estate books and, and investment strategies and reading those strategies. And then in 2013, everything really changed for me because my, uh, the group that I was a part of and the company that I was at um, got laid off. So we were all laid off and uh, we, you know, it would, it gave me some pause. It made me think, okay, I can try to find another role, you know, in the company or, some other company, or is this really a great opportunity to just take a step back and try to figure out this real estate thing? Because I couldn't figure it out while I was while I was at my job. So, um, uh, so for, fortunately, I, I, I had the opportunity to be able to take that step back, and I started consuming everything real estate. I joined the RIA in New York City Real Estate Investor Association in, in New York City. Um, I got accepted into this program called Project Reap, which is, is also focused on diversity and inclusion for commercial real estate, a fantastic national program. And, and then I also found a multifamily investing group, and I found people who were doing the things that I wanted to do. And um, with, with all those three things, I found a great support base and anchor, and that just helped me pivot into into investing um in passively at first and then ultimately syndicating deals with uh, joint venture partners so it it, it was a, a longer road than maybe some people take but i i felt like I, I i got a lot of i was able to build up a lot of skill sets with my career path and you know at the time i just had to have been right at that moment to just make that shift now, that, that's amazing. And I think, you know, the, one of the reasons why this conversation is near, is near and dear to me is I'm literally sitting in the brownstone, you know, that my grandfather purchased in the 60s, right? Um, right in Bedside, Brooklyn, as we have this conversation. And I know as a family what that's meant, you know, um, what, what, this, what this house and this home has meant to our family. 
I've had cousins pass through here, uncles, aunts, myself, my sisters, my brother, right? Like everybody at some point has paid rent on Halsey Street. Like that's <laughs> what it is. And so um, this home has meant so much to us and it, it does help create this idea around general, generational wealth that we talk about often. And so for you, you know, how did you think about first maybe even your own, like your own home and thinking through, do I want to be investing in single family? Do I want to be investing in, you know, duplexes or whatever the case is? And, and how did you decide to then move into multifamily um, and take that leap? What, what was the decision-making process behind that? Right, right. Well, um, so so also, you know, purchased a, a, a condo in, in, in Brooklyn, you know, several years back at this point. And, you know, when I when I think about that term generational wealth, you know, and you think about yourself and you say, well, I can't, you know, I, I can't pass down my degrees to my kids. I, I can't pass down, you know, some of the some of the things that I've that I've done, but I can pass down the things that that we acquire, you know, as a family, I can pass down systems and, and processes, and you know, a way for them to help generate cash flow. And if, if I, I do that for my for my family and and also for my investors, that that's very rewarding, very fulfilling, and, and that's you know that's what it's all about. And so when I was thinking about investing, so I you know I spent a lot of time because one of the first things one of my mentors told me was you need to have a strategy. What is your strategy? There's so many ways to get and involved in real estate. There's so many ways to invest in real estate, and and you know I really. Um, I, just being in New York, I was having a hard time with single family. I was having my, a hard time thinking about the how I was going to how you how you scale that business. And I'm not saying that it can't be done. People do it very very successfully, um, but I have to say that multifamily complexes just made sense to me. Uh, maybe that's because maybe it's because that's how I grew up. Maybe you know I don't I don't know, but I. I it just made sense to me in in terms of the economies of scale that you get. You know, you're not in a situation that you know if if one person leaves and you have that one place and you're like 100% vacant, you know, and there's no income coming in until you get that apartment up online and running again. Versus if you have you know a 20, 50, 100 unit complex, you know the the percentage of vacancy is is much different and much more favorable if you have people leave, you have them a lot more cushion. So to me, it just, it just made, it just made more sense in terms of the economies of scale. So that's why I lean towards, uh, towards multifamily. Yeah. And, and you've touched on several things too. I think that is super important for folks at home to, to realize, right? Um, Cause many of the folks that we're, we're talking, you know, in front of today in terms of our audience uh they're they're either new to real estate or they, are, they have aspirations to get involved in real estate um or they're just generally intrigued by it but don't quite know how it all works um and so you know you've touched on you know the you know project reap and and the different programs you were in to get started the different events you went to to kind of get the lay of the land can you unpack that a little bit more like so project reap, you know what is it how, did, how does it work? And, and why should someone else at home be looking to apply or however it is you get involved? Right. So, so Project REAP is it's an, it's a national uh, not-for-profit organization, and its focus is to, per, to provide diversity and inclusion in the commercial real estate space. And what it involves is a 10 to 12-week course in, in different markets in the U.S., and New York being one of them, where you get to learn from various leaders within the industry, the, the, all the different, different areas of commercial real estate. So for me, and you know, a lot of people, when you, you hear about real estate, you just, you think about your house or you think about, you know, uh, you know, single family purchases and, and sales, but even though we pass them every day, we, we don't think about sometimes the the apartments the the supermarkets the hospitals the hotels the you know the strip malls everything that's around us is really real estate our schools everything so there are people you know and within the industry that that work on all that whole gamut and so you get exposure to learning about um about asset management property management what it's like to lease office space uh private equity and and, and what that what that means in terms of um raising capital um so it just gives so many different so many different 
facets of the of the entire industry. And then and then after REAP, and well, actually before you know I say that, like one of the things that was also really great is not only did you get to network with the with the individuals who were teaching the class, but I found one of the most valuable assets were the other people in my class. I, I, I'm in touch with most of them. Uh, or a lot of them today, and you know, it, it's it's really great all these years later to still be in touch with people, to see how they are, to see them as potential business partners or you know continued friendships, and and that's what also led me to join uh, the Council of Urban Real Estate, which is uh, also a not-for-profit organization. We um, I'm on the board for that organization, and we you know we also focus on, on networking um, programming. To, to help people in commercial real estate, um, people of color continue to connect um, um, with, with, we, with each other and then also with the various companies and groups that are interested in, in recruiting and hiring um, talented people from New York. Yeah. And it speaks to exactly how you and I met, right? We were both yeah. part of the DCRE. The, uh, you know, council last summer through yeah. Adiola, who's always doing amazing things and things and just connecting great people. Um, and you realize in a very short period of time that they're, they're the, the, the network of us, the community of us uh, is very small, actually. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, th doing what you're doing in terms of teaching and imparting that knowledge on others and inviting folks to learn about the industry is extremely impactful. Um, you know, and, and so even from just like getting to know you, like I know you teach a lot about real estate. I know, you know, whether it's whether it's programs, whether it's at universities, you know, what what has spurred that that interest for you? Why do you find it to be so important? Because you talked earlier about you can't really pass down your degrees to your kids. You can pass down assets and materials, but you know, but you can you can impart knowledge and processes, as you mentioned, in them. You know, so why do you find it to be so important? I think it's I, well. I think there's just so many people that are out there, and I, and I, you know, think of myself, where I really didn't know where to start. I didn't really know what was involved, and I think it's it's really important to to um, to be accessible so that people can can learn more about different paths they may take. They may not take the ones that the the, the path that that you take, and I think sometimes even being able to say, you know, that's not for me is just as powerful as knowing like that is for me. So I, I think that um, it, it's important to stay in, in the know and knowledgeable and informed. And um, it's, it's really, it's, it's great to be able to, to provide that additional information to people. Definitely, definitely. And, and I mean, especially from such a unique point of view, right? Um, being being a black woman in this space, how you know? I'll, I'll keep the the question kind of very general, right? How how do you feel like that is? What are some of the nuances that yeah. that is uh, created for you, positive right. and or negative? Uh, yeah. Or and when I say negative, I think of more so hurdles to jump as opposed to barriers, right? So you know how how has that affected your experience in the real estate market? Right. Well, I mean, very, very quickly, um, you know, being in a room of commercial real estate professionals, uh, you very quickly see that uh, being black and being a woman is a, is a complete minority. <laughs> you are, are, are definitely, I mean, this is a very, it's a very white male, you know, industry. And, and, and it's been like that for a long time. And I think, um, you know, I, I think what's, what's happening over time is that as, as, you know, and that's why the education is important, you know, as more and more people come into the industry, you, you know, you have to realize that there are opportunities to, to really, um, because the other thing that's underneath it is real estate is a wealth builder for people. And right. so when, when you look at the, you know, the distribution of, of, you know, folks in the industry, you know, you also have to think about that on an economic level as well. And I think what we're, we're ultimately wanting to, to see is that by bringing uh, diverse people into the fold, you're, you're not shrinking the pie of what's available. You're, you're making it bigger so that more people can be part of it. And, and I think that that's one of the things that's really important. So, um, you know, uh, I, I remember my, and also New York is, is very different from the rest of the country. So I, I, when I went to like a multifamily convention, um, which is, it was a national convention and, 
you know, it, it was a, it was quite a shell shock, you know, even for, you know, I spoke to a number of, of, of women who, who were Caucasian, who are white, and they're like, wow, there are just so many men here. It's, it's so male dominated. And so you really get like, wow, this is what the industry really looks like. So, I mean, uh, I have to say, one of the things is that people will always see me like, you know, so when I'm making, um, you know, like appointments to meet with people, like I know they're going to find me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you kind of have to use everything to your advantage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, you know, uh, you know, even thinking about kind of where things are today, um, you know, COVID is having, you know, lasting effects, you know, um, on our industry, particularly, and, and, and of course, many others. But, I, you know, I think of, I, you know, and I'll tie this to the, to the wealth question a bit, too, because I think of things like the fact that, you know, 13% of America is Black, but 40% of America's homeless population is Black. Um, I think about the fact that 60% of Black people are, are renters. Um, and so our homeownership numbers are way out of whack compared to white families. Um, and that again, when you're when you're when you don't have those opportunities, um, you don't have that capital um, that adversely affects uh, our entire community at large. Right. Um, so even in a, you know thinking through how, when you're looking at a deal, for example, right? You guys are looking at acquisitions and growing into new markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, for you, you know, maybe you can um, you know unpack a little bit about maybe some of the locations around where you guys focus, because I know primarily it's in the southeast region of the U.S. Um, but how do, how do you think about, you know, how to have inclusive ways uh, of, of building communities within buildings, um, of building communities, you know, around neighborhoods and cities, right? Um, what is your what is your thought process and download in that in that process of bringing any kind of acquisition or, or new product to fruition? Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, so most of all the deals that we've done so far have been as syndicated deals have been in in Georgia. They've been in in that market, Um, you know, just getting started in, in real estate trying to acquire buildings in New York, I thought was just outside of outside of my reach in terms of the capital required from New York acquisition. So, you know, it, it had me look at other other markets. And again, finding people who are doing what you're doing is, is, is a way to, to help to accelerate that. So you can, you can see how folks do that. Uh, one of the things that, that we definitely try to do, because having having a community is is very important. It, it's it's critical and and um, you know when when we think about some of our properties some of the things that that we try to do is definitely first of all like fostering communication um, we 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 have third party management that manage our properties because we're here in New York but we do need people on the ground who are going to be there to be points of contact for the residents and so you know um, what we what we've done is especially during during COVID. Um, well, first of all, we had to kind of change our communication style. It, it mostly was, you know, phone calls, even though we would call people in the past, but definitely like, you know, text, emails, and, and phone calls were the main methods of communication versus the, a door-to-door approach, just because we wanted to maintain and protect the safety of our property management team and our residents. So, you know, when, you know, we, we were finding that people who who were typically you know on time or had delays or issues with payments you know it was important to reach out to them to just keep that discussion going it's very important for landlords and 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 residents to 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 speak especially if you like where you live you know usually can try to work something out um prior to that uh prior to covid we did we did some raffles we like for thanksgiving we we gave away turkeys to some of the residents you know we 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 tried to we we do some newsletters to them as well just keeping them informed and we ourselves try to understand what's happening in the local community to try to 
incorporate that sometimes in our in our in our newsletters but a lot of it is used to just give them updates about things that may be happening in the property especially when we were doing a lot of updates and changes to the exterior and in some cases it, it was it was a nuisance um, so we wanted to give them that heads up and help them realize that we know that this is not convenient right now but we're moving towards having a better looking building and a better looking facility for, for them so that's why we that's why we embarked on that so I would say you know communication is really is really key and having that fluid communication is really important right right and so you know you being up here in New York your team being a party well your team's here and then you have have team members effectively through that third party property management group um, in Georgia. You know, how do you, you know, from a tactical perspective, how did you approach building your team? Like, how did you know that was the right management group to work with? How did you know you were surrounding yourself with the right people? And what were you looking for within those team members? Right. Yeah. So, so um, the the property management company that we that we have now, we we've had them for uh, we we've actually we've known them for a while. So they weren't the first company that we worked with when we started investing in in Atlanta. But when we moved to this larger size property, and you know, uh, just some of the 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 needs that the, the property had, we ultimately thought that they were a good fit. So uh, you know, some of that is just over time, just having communication and again and, and just talking to people people and building relationships and so you know what was was good is that um you know the 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 ceo of the company understood the area he understood the needs and he really uh worked with us to try to find the right regional manager for us who was going to be you know the person overseeing the actual folks on the ground and um you know we we also set up um, weekly, we have still weekly calls um, to talk through everything that's happening on the property, um, you know, every week to make sure we understand if there are any large capital things, expenditures that happened, if, if we understand where, where people are in terms of move outs or people coming in, getting that constant feedback. Sometimes we need to make adjustments to our strategy or we think how we were going to approach something and or understand if there was going to be something that we didn't expect to happen, and and then now we have to plan for that as well. So, you know that that's really important. And then um, one of the other properties is is uh, when we purchased it, 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 it was uh, had a lower level of vacancy, and now we're working to stabilize it and you know just get a consistent group of residents in there. So we have the same regional manager, but different on the ground person who's helping. Uh, to work with us to do that. So again, um, monthly meeting, uh, weekly meetings, and you know, very frequent communication and reviewing a lot of reports <laughs> as well. I'm I'm sure I'm sure. I mean, in, in these times too, you know, I'm sure your ear is close to the street in terms of government, like what's happening, yeah. what bills are being passed, what stimulus, you know, checks are going out and whatnot. How how is that, you know? The Americans, for the most part, were given twelve hundred dollars, right, mm -hmm. over the last six thousand or so, uh, six thousand, six months or so, right. Mm -hmm. um, the rent relief that that has happened and or is not happening, how has that affected your business? And mm -hmm. what would you like to see government do in terms of stepping up and doing more for the residents? Because inherently, that ends up being operational, uh, you know, capital for your for your business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. I mean, um, uh, it was it was definitely we were very concerned um, about our residents and the loss of jobs that were happening there. So you know, we we came up with different ways to try to and, and gave um, you know concessions to help people um, if they're able to pay earlier in the month. You know, we would give them a slight discount in their rent so that you know, we could, we could facilitate getting some more of the cash to make sure we were able to pay the bills of, of the property because that's what was, became a very keen focus. We wanted to make sure that our, our mortgage is paid, the water was paid, and, and, you know, the people that work on the property are paid because if, if there's no cash coming in, I mean, that all of those bills have to be covered before anything comes and, it, and it's like considered free cash flow. So you, you really need to make sure that, that we have all those and then any of the capital expenditures as well have to be covered as well. So, you know, that was our, our focus. How do we make sure that we're keeping people safe? 
that we're, you know, doing our as much as we can in terms of collections, uh, also working with people, understanding their situations. And I think that the, the stimulus was very helpful in that because, um, you know, we, we did have a couple of months where there was a little bit, it was a little bit more of a strain, but I think overall we did really, you know, we did well. And, and um, uh, again, a good thing about having a community is that people feel that they belong. They feel that they, they know, you know, the person who's collecting the rent and this is at the base of that is our property management team and you know they're like well I know that I you know we I, I talk to talk to the the manager all the time and the rent is due and look I gotta tell her what's going on with me or I'm gonna you know I'll just go ahead and make my payment these are some things that keep people connected to each other so I, I think that you know ongoing we just want to make sure that uh, I want to make sure that that government is continuing to focus on the the, the needs of of the, the people you know especially um, you know the the working the working class folks and workforce housing groups um, these are you know many of times the people who are on the front line you know those are the people who are working in the grocery stores or you know your your nurses and you know people who are helping in the hospitals or working in the hospitals and you know if we're if we're not making things available and, and, and making work available funding available for them to be able to have a decent quality life you know we really have to take a step back because we realize that there, you know, COVID has, has exposed a lot of things. And I think one of the things is just like how interconnected we are and how, you know, uh, when you're considered, you know, non-essential, <laughs> you can stay home. Um, that's, that's a luxury, but that means that all the other people that maybe you don't think about every day are really essential. And we need to, we need to make sure that there, we have housing for them. Right, right. So, uh, you know, I know earlier in this in this process, when, you know, uh, the president came out and announced that effectively there was going to be this eviction moratorium, mm -hmm. um, you know, and there, I think there wasn't too much color to it and people understanding, you know, that was really supporting government backed, you know, um, you know, properties, effectively, mm -hmm. the Fannie Mae's and the Freddie Mac's properties they were backing. So, so there's a lot of people that actually weren't captured by that, but maybe their states were able to step in and, and put different moratoriums in place. Um, as a, as a landlord, you know, um, what do you, what is it, what are things that you want maybe renters to be more understanding of? Cause I think in the beginning when, you know, that eviction moratorium came out and it was like widely broadcasted, you have people that were, and this isn't true for most, but you have people mm -hmm. that were making money. Maybe they had a white collar job. They were sitting at home, like myself on a computer all day. And, and in that regard, you know, they were like, well, they, if, they not, if they're not paying rent next door or upstairs, why should I pay rent? You know, how did you, what, what were those conversations like to make people understand, look, if you can swing it, no matter what is happening or what freezes right. are in place, like you should, you know, pay it. How do you, how do you convey your perspective or point of view to, to a resident? Right. Yeah. I mean, so I think one of the things there is just that kind of, you know, one of the points I made before is just that how we're all interconnected. So again, like all of the, the money that comes in from the rents first goes to paying to all the bills in on the property. So we want to be able to make sure that we have, you know, if there's an emergency service person who's available, you know, on our team to be able to help you with like, you know, a major issue that's happened in your apartment. Um, we we want to make sure that there's still water for the, the building because that comes directly to the owners. Um, it doesn't get, you know, sometimes residents pay portions of the water, but the bill comes to the to the owners and that's the you know the, the owner has the ultimate responsibility to pay for that so what happens is if you know if, if you're not able to i mean if you if you're not paying and, and and you can pay you're really you're really jeopardizing your community and you're putting at risk also the the people who work at the property because you know in in horrible scenarios if all of a sudden your you know your rent roll becomes extremely low you have to look at ways to to still to still pay you know the those really essential bills and you have to look at you know what expenses are you going to take out and that means that you know that that could be affecting somebody else's job 
you know, that's, that's, and that's again, how we're all interconnected with each other. And that's the last thing that we want to do. We, we don't want to have, you know, people even further accelerating the, the joblessness, you know, in society because we didn't get rental payments from people who can pay it. You know, that's, it's, it's, um, that's devastating and it's devastating to families. So, you know, uh, that's, that's how I would look at it and, and, and frame it. You know, we, we're, we're really, I mean, a lot of people, it was an, an adage, everybody was saying, look, we're all in this together, probably more than we know, <laughs> more than right. we know, because, because, uh, you know, again, uh, the people who are, who are driving your kids to school, the people who are teaching them, the people who, you know, are, are cleaning, doing the cleaning of the schools where your children are going to be attending, the people who are cleaning the airports, you know, like all of these people live in our communities. So, you know, uh, you know, if, if it all trickle, it all really has a negative impact and snowballs if there are no funds available to, to pay them. Right. I mean, the, the, yeah, the interconnectedness is, is, is so important to highlight um, because, you know, for the folks that are at home that are aspiring to get into real estate, that are aspiring to, aspiring to acquire properties, um, being an investor, um, you know, oftentimes it's just thought of as like, get rich, get rich quickly. You know, it's thought, and that's, that's the, the amount of thought you have to put into the day-to-day, um, understanding your residents, what they need, um, what's going to make them happy so they resign the lease. Um, you touched on rent rolls. Like, you know, I think of things like NOI, your net operating income or your mm-hmm. CapEx or your OpEx. Could, could you unpack maybe, maybe a few of the terms that are most important to you as a real estate investor? What are things that you're looking at that anyone looking to get into the space should be mindful of? Um, in real estate. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, a a few things are occupancy level. So how many people fit? So actually occupancy has, has um, two pieces. It's physical occupancy. So how many people are actually inside of the units? Uh, So, uh, and also almost actually even more importantly, your economic occupancy how many people are paying, how many of those people that are in the units are, are actually paying. Because that can, that can certainly be, um, that's, a, that's an issue and that goes back to what we were just talking about. So we really have a pulse on the economic occupancy and, then, and, and the flip side of that is the delinquencies. So especially during this time, we're heavily monitoring the delinquency amounts and uh, trying trending that out to understand is it is it growing is it increasing you know um, are people leaving the property and and then you know leaving large balances and then you know we, we ended up having to to write those off so um, understanding your revenue and top line le- revenue and collections overall collections is very very important that's something that is highly focused because that's that's your income so that's your that's your top line then um also understanding your operating expense trends so usually what what we always do is we have a um it's not usual it's always we have a budget so we understand you know, we plot out what our operating expenses are expected to be on a yearly and monthly basis so we're always tracking against okay what did we expect the operating um what did we expect the expenses to come in is it higher and lower and why so doing that deep dive and understanding what what's happening and then on top of that okay so this this is out of whack why is that out of whack and it's and it's continuing that spiral of why did this happen why did this happen this month sometimes even when we have a very strong collection month you know, i still ask like what happened why is it better this month i still want to know better or worse what's happening because these are things that help to inform your decisions um you know going forward so so you know paying attention to your your economic occupancy, your, your collections and delinquencies is extremely important. Understanding how you're trending against your budget for your operating expenses, which you should be working on that budget with your property manager so that, you know, cause you're, you're really all in that together as well. That's another one of your key partners. You need to make sure that, you know, you're in lockstep and you understand how the property is going to be run. And if it's not, and if it doesn't, things aren't making sense, you got to go back to them to help to help you understand 
why it's not and you have to figure out how how it is going to make sense because those are those are the numbers that you're you know you're you're working towards so um, those are some of the those are some of the metrics also i'm looking at turnover as well so that's you know talking to how how what percentage of people are leaving the the property so in some cases it's good when people leave and in other cases it's it's you know it's uh, unfortunate to see you know some of your your, your stronger residents go so you want to keep them too um you know if you can so if there's feedback sometimes there's just feedback that you want to get to understand you know what why are they leaving what what's happening and sometimes we hear people bought a home good for them like that's great you know uh sometimes you hear other things that are negative like they lost their job they don't think they're going to be able to to continue moving forward and you know you know they very responsibly said you know we're going to leave so and, and they find shelter you know somewhere else so just understanding the dynamics of the of the um turnover is also really is also really important yeah. And so, then so, and ultimately, I'm sorry, those two, those, the revenue and expenses together that impacts your, your net operating income. And, and that's the basis that's used to, to um, trade, you know, if you're ever selling your, your, your building, they want to understand what your NOI is. So that's why NOI is so important. And, and so be, before you even get into the crux of it all right like you you go into a deal knowing these are the most important things um what is it what is it that that makes sonya go okay as, as principal as founder of this company we're going to invest in this property like what are what are some of the things you're looking to check off in mm -hmm. your mental checkbox before i'm sure it's physical as well right you're writing yeah. this stuff down yeah but what are the things you're looking to check off to say this is the deal for us yeah so one of the things that we're looking at is um you know, where is the, the value add? How can we make this property better? One of the first properties that we, that we purchased, um, you know, that was uh, to, to date one of, one of the best deals that we did. And um, what, what we found was that prior management just wasn't operating it well. They, um, the uh, the area where we were in, in investing is you know very niche and it was um, it was a highly refugee area and um, they the the people in there are here legally but you know they were fleeing from very horrible situations in in their former country and what was what was actually really wonderful about that community was the the support system and base that was there there was a lot of you know people who were, you know, the uh, English as a second language, job training, a lot of things were going. And so you had a resident base that was, you know, very happy to, 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 to pay, um, very happy to just be in a safe, clean place, especially from where they were coming from. And, you know, the prior management didn't really understand the resident base that well. And, um, you know, when when we came in, our property managers actually it, it, they were also they're also investors. They also in, they also purchased and, and managed their own properties, and they're very familiar with the area. And they were able to you know break down some of the communication barriers that were that were taking place um, with with like prior management. We were able to also you know price the the units more efficiently and find ways to um, decrease some of the expenses. So it ended up, you know, operating very, very well. So, you know, you know, finding areas where, you know, you have, you have strong communities is, is, is definitely a plus. Um, doesn't happen all the time, but, but that's a great thing to look out for. Um, uh, understanding where it is that you can make the, the property better for, for the investors that, that we work for and for the residents as well. Um, and sometimes, sometimes that's uh, additional amenities, like you know, adding a laundry facility that didn't exist there before. Uh, it could be something that helps to to add value. It will help to generate some income, but it also provides you know an amenity that that residents were having to have to travel further to to get to. So um, you know, the key thing is. Um, you know how can we make the the property operate more efficiently and um and again that's you know 
sometimes just understanding where the operational issues are, looking at ways to, to, to save um, to save on expenses. So one of the other properties we looked at, we, we knew if we implemented um, uh, some water conservation policies and, and um, mechanics, we were gonna be able to save water overall for the property and that reduces expenses. So that was a value add, you know? Um, and so those are things that we, um, you know, we definitely look for um, at how are we gonna, continue to push the, the and improve the value of the property. Absolutely, and, and, and I'm gonna move you even more upstream in this process. So for, for bedrock, you know, real estate investors, you know, break down what that, what, what the process of like is, what the process around securing capital is like. So yeah. is, this, is this all money coming out of your pockets? Is it, are you guys fundraising annually to build a fund and then go out and find, acquire properties? Is it you find, you source the deal, you find the deal first, then you present the deal to investors who then say, okay, we'll go in with you on this property. Like, what does that component look like? Yes. Yeah. So um, I don't own all the properties by myself yet with my own money, but that's one of the goals ultimately. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for, for now, what we're doing is on, on a deal by deal basis, when we find a deal that we think makes sense, what we do is we present it to investors and what we go through a, a process called syndication. So um, syndication is just um, a, a formal, a formal um, way of just saying that where we have um, agreements that we're holding to to have people pull their money together to purchase to purchase an asset. Uh, in this case, it's it's apartment buildings. You you can syndicate deals for probably most things, um, but this you know this specifically is focused on real estate and an apartment acquisition. So. Uh, through that process, you know, that it, it's, it's um, getting the right legal documents, making sure the correct filings are put in place, and um, making sure that we have appropriate disclosures to our investors, because it's important for people to understand the risks, because with everything, there is a risk. So, you know, you have to weigh that out for, your, for, for yourself and making sure that, you know, everything is, is, is in compliance with, um, you know, legislative bodies. So, that's what ultimately a syndication is. It's a, it's a structured and, you know, um, way of, of uh, pooling together people. And, and for us, it's really been friends and family uh, so far who wanted to invest in, in apartment buildings. And, um, and, and that's how, and that's the formal way that we, that we do it. That's how we formally pull everybody together. Gotcha. You. And, and, and in that syndication process, you know, um, how have you, you know, how have you procured that group of people, right? Like you mentioned friends and family. Um, mm -hmm. So let's, let's say I, which, which could be true actually very soon, right? That's my, my goal. Let's say I am tapping your shoulder like, hey, Sonia, I want to invest with you. You know, I want to see the deals coming through. Like, like, what should I be preparing for in terms of first the threshold of capital? Am I right. even there yet? <laughs> right. right, right. Um, and then to, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, it, it, well, start there. Right. I know France, you know, our producer, he wants to get in real estate. Right. Like yeah. he, he has friends in real estate. Same. Like if we're reaching out to Sonia and we're saying, hey, look, that's what we want to do. What would that look like? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so, uh, so honestly that, that initial capital piece has, has grown over, you know, from the, the time that we started doing syndications until now. And I think that's just because the deal sizes have gotten bigger and, and, and also, you know, prices have, have gone up as well. So, uh, so that's, are, are you saying we're broke? What, what are you I'm trying not, to say? I, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm completely kidding. <laughs> no, but, um, so yeah, so no, we, we, we determine on a deal by deal basis, like what that, what that amount is. And, uh, and, and then, you know, once we, you know, we have that minimum set, we just, we just, um, you know, work with people to, to, to understand how they want to be involved and, 
Um, and then, you know, a, a part of that process is all of the uh, agreements that they need to sign. So as I mentioned, there's a lot of disclosure agreements, mm -hmm. but then we also, you know, we review the deal with everyone, helping our investors understand why we think this is a good deal. Um, first, we usually talk about the market, understanding to give that macro view, what's the market, um, then also understanding, so once you go from the, the, the market, you know, then, you know, sometimes the sub-market and the, the, the property itself, why we think there's value in it. And then we always project returns in there as well. Um, so we talk, you know, we, we, we talk about the different um, return scenarios and then also the different exit strategies. That's very important too, to understand that. It's important for people who are investing to understand how long do they think their money is going to be, you know, tied out in, in this investment. Mm -hmm. Unlike the stock market, it, it's, it, you know, this is not a liquid asset. You, you, meaning that you can't just, you know, um, you know what, today I'm going to invest, but next year I just want to get my money back out. It doesn't, it doesn't really work mm -hmm. like that. So you have to be prepared for it. And there mm -hmm. have been people who have come to me and said, you know, I really want to get into the deal, but you know, I'm trying to figure out if I should save this and do this. And I'm just like, you know what, this is not the right time. There's going to be other deals like mm -hmm. that. You know, I, it, it's important to, um, that people feel comfortable, you know, with the, you know, that they're, they're putting in their money and it's going to be there for a while. And if it doesn't seem like that's a good strategy for them at the time, it, it's, it's probably not a good strategy and they should just wait for the next one. You know, there'll still be mm -hmm. others. So that's how we usually, um, you know, work with the, the people. And then throughout the hold of the investment where we have, you know, quarterly webinars to, uh, update our investors to keep them updated about what's happening. We usually also talk about, you know, what the payout structure is going to be for the investments as well, how frequently we expect to do dis distributions. And, you know, depending on our, on our execution plan, depending on our plan and where we're executing that, that's going to determine maybe when the first payout is going to be. But we help, we try to really set that expectation, you know, up front for our investors so they understand what they're getting, they're getting into. Um, some people are like, oh, wow, you, you know, you're looking at, you know, five to seven and maybe even a 10 year hold. And we, we, we anchor people in that because that's the length and the term of our loan. Um, however, you know, we're always working with our brokers on the ground and understanding what's happening in the market. And if there are opportunities, you know, to um, divest a little bit earlier than that, because it's in the best interest of our, of our um, investors and, you know, we'll, we'll do that. Awesome. And, you know, I know we're coming up against time here, but I still have one question I want to ask, you know, uh, in, in the investment space, and I love the synergies too, and hearing about the investment world and the real estate um, world, as well as the, because it, it ties so closely to the tech world, right? You know, you, you need that exit plan, you know, you, you need, you need the, the syndicating deals, you know, all these are the similar terminologies to what I use every day in building who's your landlord. Um, with the Jobs Act, you know that was passed under the, under the Obama administration, um, that opened the, the that paved the way for people that were not, you know, historically accredited investors to get involved in more real estate deals and technology deals. Um, and now, you know, when you think about you know real estate, there are platforms like Republic where we've raised capital from as a, from a tech perspective mm -hmm. that also now allow for you know for real estate folks to to go and raise capital toward real estate deals. Right, um, right. Do you foresee um, Bedrock, you know, would would you ever consider maybe uploading a, um, a, a current deal, you know, to the public to invest in as well, or mm -hmm. is that not not kind of fit your, fit your thesis? Or have you guys? Yeah, what are your thoughts and just in general about yeah. you know that that shift in the space? I think it's a, I think it's a great opportunity to be able to allow um, a you know not accredited investors and and even in our deals um, you know because of the because of the regulations that we follow we can also accept um, non accredited investors too you just have a limit to them in in you know in our in our syndication deals but um, I think that the the platforms that are available are are opening up uh, you know to a broader group of people who who want to get involved in real estate and I think that's that's awesome 
for right now, we haven't we haven't really fully explored, you know, um, leveraging one of the platforms. I'm not saying it's something out of the you know out of the question or something that we'd never do. Just haven't done it yet, and you know, um, but it, I mean, it's always a possibility. Right now, you know, we're, we're continuing to you know network to meet people and. Um, you know, uh, talk to different people who are interested and, 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 and through that and through, you know, joint venturing, you know, pulling some of those people together. I, I think that's been, that's been working so far. So, you know, we'll see if, you know, at some other point, we need to think of, a, of other means or methods, but right now where we, um, we haven't fully explored what that could, could, could offer this time. Mm. And, and I just felt I had to ask the question because to bring it kind of full circle, I met Adiola um, at her avant-garde network event. So I was a speaker. This had to be maybe the end of 2018. Um, I was a speaker in the, the event that evening was focused on equity, online equity crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. So she had reached out because she had heard we had just successfully closed around. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's, that's how the whole, you know, relationship now and all the way downstream has, has, has worked out. So yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing to, to be here with you today. And oh, thank uh, you so sending much. all the love to you and your family as well. <laughs> thank, yeah. Thanks so much. Back at you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. How can people connect with you or follow you, you know, online? What's the, what's the best way for them to, to reach out? Yeah, so um, you know, you can you could definitely find me on LinkedIn. So you know, you can you can connect with me there. Just let me know that you um, that you 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 heard about me from from this podcast because sometimes you know you don't exactly know where you know you don't exactly know the people who are trying to connect with you. So it's good if you always putting that little personal note or just like a, a one liner, you know, always helps in, 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 you know, meeting someone new. So do that. Um, also, um, you know, you can, you can definitely go to my website. I, I, def, I do newsletters and happy to share with people some of the work that I'm doing. It, it's bedrockreinvestors.com. And, uh, you know, uh, also I'm on Facebook as well. So Bedrock Real Estate Investors. So you can, you can uh, reach me there too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Everybody make sure to connect with Sonia online. She's doing amazing things and, and it's helping people do amazing things as well. I can raise my hand as well one of the people um i'll pat myself on the back too um but thank you so much for joining us tonight again everyone this is wil take ownership podcast we're all about taking ownership of your mental your economics and your community take care and have a good one peace thank you so much bye